we're going to kick off our conference with um, a revival panel. So um, we're going to just talk about revival, what it looks like, what does it mean. So I'm going to ask Pastor Zach and Harold and Jason, come on up here. So if you were here this morning, you got to hear uh, Harold share, and um, I always tell the story because Harold's my favorite person on the planet, and I just, I just really love him and his wife so, so much. They have changed our lives just by saying yes to Jesus and then writing like 30-something books. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Um, and then my awesome husband, and he is just a wonderful pastor, a great apostle. God is, is, is raising him up, a wonderful worship leader. And my, my, actually, he is my favorite person ever on the planet. He really is. Harold, I'm sorry. You and Linda are number two. Okay. And then Jason Chin from Bethel Redding and... He has an online academy called Love Says Go, and a bunch of uh, the graduates are here for the week, and um, and I'm going to just do a really quick plug for his school because I help run it, so that's helpful, but um, if you're interested in getting activated into like ser- like ministering to people like on the street, like you see, who's been on YouTube and seen the Disneyland um, healing Revival. Okay. So that was Jason and his team that was doing that. Okay. So if you want to experience some of that, he has an online school and it's all about activation. It's powerful. So, um, so we're going to just talk about revival tonight. And, um, if we have some time, I'm going to, um, have Chris go around with another microphone and ask if anybody has questions. So my first question tonight for you, awesome gentlemen would be, what is revival? Like, what is it? You know, we have 15 day camp meetings and we have, you know, people raising from the dead and all that, but what is it in the earth? So Harold, do you want to start us off? <laughs> I guess I will. So I think there's a shifting understanding of revival. We have seen it as a series of meetings, but we're, I like the terminology transformation much more. It just says more specifically what I'm believing God for that a move of God's spirit comes upon his people to such an extent they come so alive that it spreads throughout the region and all the people who are influenced start changing their areas of society, no matter where they work, where they live, but transformation is the outcome, not just reviving in the sense of being alive and trying to stir up things. Stirring up is not enough. It's not as lasting as we're looking for. We're looking for some substance of God to come to earth and make a splash and transform society. Okay. Man. <laughs> the pressure's on. Okay, so I'll tell you what I think it is. Um, I think there's a, a different ways. I feel there's personal revival, and I think that there's transformation, but I also feel... There's outpourings of the Holy Spirit, and I feel like in the past, um, it's almost been like we've been praying 
for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit to like come into a region and change stuff. And I do believe like that still is a genuine revival. But it feels like in our generation that God is getting like a revival culture where, where there's personal revival, where it's transformation, like renewing your mind. And then also where, where you start getting a baptism, like Harold's, Harold's talking about the Holy Spirit, where you actually become changed. And so I feel there's like a personal revival that happens. But I also do believe in this manifestation of the Holy Spirit that actually just is an outpouring also. So I feel there's kind of both that, that, that's going on. Yes, Mike. Well, I think I, that's the, both of those are really good insight. Um, but it's interesting because I think the concept is changing, too, of what revival is. And, and also the understanding that it's revival is in the past, it was only a sovereign move of God. Um, and I think that understanding is changing to where we realize that revival is just normal doing what we're supposed to do. Um, and that's kind of what I'd love to talk about more if, you know, as you progress, I know we already talked about this, but you know, there's these elements or recipes to a move of God. And so whatever it looks like, and you know, some people say, well, revival is not really scriptural. It's just, you know, you have to, you know, and there's all these different words awakening. And, but I, I think that in essence, it's God revealing himself and it just changes us to go do things, to, to make things happen. And, and then there's things that happen in revival, like there's, uh, you know, signs and wonders and, and, and all that is a manifestation of God's heart and love for people. Um, but I, I, I'm, I, I'm curious, like the way that we understand it, because some people think, well, if we pray enough, we'll see revival. Or if we pray, have more houses of prayer, we'll see revival. Um, or, you know, and, and, you know, and then there's the concept of unity. So I don't know. I, I think I love, I think both of them answered it perfectly. Um, and, and I'm, I, I want a genuine, I want to see a genuine move of God, uh, to where it's not something that's just, well, we're going to have like, you know, 28 days of gatherings or whatever, but we're just, we're becoming, uh, who God is in the earth and doing what he created us to do. So then my next question would be if, if it is a transformation, if it, if it is something that, you know, the body of Christ rises up into and not necessarily like we're waiting for some sovereign move of God, what does it look like for churches, for people, for the people of God to see revival? What do, what's our part? What's our part? So I'd like to add the element, you know, we're talking about substance of God coming, transforming us. You can't pour new wine into an old wineskin. Something radically has to rip with our present structure, our present understanding of God, our present understanding of how life is. You can't add more of God without disrupting the status quo. And whether we realize it or not, you know, we are the status quo. We have to change. We have to erupt. And so you, t- you already said rise up. Yeah, you rise up to a higher level, higher perspective of seeing the whole world around you. And one of the things about breaking the present and coming into this next flow, um, there's always more freedom as we move further in God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you rediscover that in the past I was under bondage and didn't realize it. Every revival is that way. Where the, when there's freshness of God, he realized, man, I didn't realize I was living in ritual. I was living in legalism. I was living in bondage. I didn't even realize it. Now I'm freer. 
So there has to be a dimension where, yeah, we have erupted and it comes with truth and life and the spirit. We're going to experience all that. I, Harold, I have a question for you, or, or maybe we could talk about this if that's right. The, the understanding of like God manifesting and revealing his heart and when you said new wine into old wineskins it just and, and sometimes moves of God seem pretty messed up maybe that's why I don't know or and, and I've heard you teach this before and it really shifted my understanding that um, when the when God manifests his presence it crystallizes things in our hearts and I'd love to hear you talk about that because I mean maybe maybe we're holding ourselves back this is something the Lord showed me one time about the mercy seat in the Old Testament that that's the place where there's no uh, there's there's no retaining of sin, and and as new covenant Christians, I believe that our hearts should be like the mercy seat because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But you remember in the Old Testament that the mercy seat was right where the glory rested, and I think that the glory, the manifest glory, rests on hearts that are like the mercy seat. In other words, we really love each other. And we're not offended at the littlest things and we love people and there's just a radical display of love and forgiveness. But I wonder if maybe, and I don't know, does God withhold revealing immense, like what you were preaching on this morning, is there times, that, and maybe we don't steward the presence of God like we should because if he comes in power, and sometimes I think he does just because he answers our prayers, even though there could be a possibility of a mess, God still does it because he loves us. But I wonder if he withholds really manifesting his glory because we're just not ready for it. Does that make sense? I don't know if you could talk about that a little bit if you want. I, I mean, you said so much. I'm not sure. Hello, hello. It's still on, right? Yes. Um, you said so much. I'm not sure which part to talk about um, because it's huge. <laughs> okay. But, you know, the whole thing about like reformation, transformation, I look back to the Protestant Reformation and, you know, three keys of revelation, truth that God revealed was, again, like, you know, scriptures are final authority, faith, you're saved by faith, you know, and priesthood of all believers. You know, those are real things that we've embraced. They set free a people. But if you go back and you put yourself on the side of the Roman Catholics, um, who their people were hearing this message, well, from their perspective, they lost control. You know, they lost control by those three messages, priests of all believers. Well, from the Catholic's perspective, that meant, well, you don't need us priests anymore because you're all priests. It, it means you have now scripture as your final authority. Well, that means you don't need our pope anymore. Well, um, salvation by faith. Well, that means you can get saved without coming to our sacraments anymore. And from the, from the Catholic's perspective, the very three things that freed us, they felt they'd lose it all. Well, it's always that way with revival. People, the status quo loses control. You cannot have revival without status quo losing control because the spirit's poured in and people erupt. So there's, there's a mess to it. You know, and even in our lifetime, much of the revival has been moving the anointing from the few people up front to distributing the anointing to the people. You know, first it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit started spreading, you know, not just Pentecostal, but charismatic movement in the 60s. Now everybody has the Holy Spirit. But then body ministry, that was huge. You're moving more into the hands of the people. Then 
you know, there's different things like home groups, cell groups. Every step toward bigger has always made this thing more out of control um, and people doing the work. And now fivefold ministry, it's not just one person, but now you've got five apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, and teacher. I mean, that's really out of control. You know, it just, and then you go out in the streets and you minister, you know, you don't have to have gone to Bible school for, you know, so many years to be programmed to think like a certain group of people, but anybody's called to ministry. Every step that God's been taking the church is toward this, put it in the hands, free my people. Come on, wake up. You are the called of God. And I don't think this next move can happen without us doing the same thing. Somehow, Leadership will lose more control, and the people will come more alive. That just seems to be a pattern in the moving of God's spirit. You know, and, and one thing that you talk about is like the walls of the church are disappearing in this next move of God. That's scary for church leaders because <laughs> we want it in our buildings. One thing with this next move of God is, no, we are supposed to influence our region and pastor the region instead of just try to get people into the pen. But there's a lot of examples. Hoo-ah. Okay. So I'm thinking about revival, but I'm also thinking about, it says that we were created in God's image. And I feel the, the Bible says that we were, we were created in God's image, image Genesis 1.27. And in 1 John 4, it says the image of God is love. And I feel this revival is about receiving like you're talking about this morning like this radical reformation of receiving the love of god like never before and and seeing through a clear lens of who we really are and i feel there's going to be a reformation of seeing ourselves really as children of god and i i I went to the restroom a little bit ago and i walked by and i was even saying like lord i don't know what i'm going to say like i'm sitting next to harold like 30 books man and i've been saved like just a few years you know and he told me to stop at the nursery and look inside And I did. And he says, look at those kids in there. No one's telling them that they're children. They know who they are. And the Lord was just saying, that's what it is. It's a reformation of hearts of being called back into sonship of who we are, but receiving the love of God like never before so we can see clearly and so we're going to manifest the kingdom like never before. And it's being restored back into the image of God, which is love. And I feel the transformation of revival is that we're going to be the called out ones, the, the walking love. Edwin, think that it's just so exciting. I mean, one of the huge control things that Christian leaders have had is we perceive people as evil, and as long as people are thinking themselves as evil, they have a need for us, for us to come to church and we can reassure them that God loves them. Well, this move of God is reshifting, where the whole thing is creating God's image. Every one of us, you know, yes, we all sin, but number one, realizing, well. And as a leader, if I say, if I teach them, they're all created in God's image, well, they might not come back to church, you know, because there has been a system where we make them dependent on us to feel good about themselves. And many people for years have only come to church because of a deep insecurity concerning what God thinks about them. So many people come to church wanting to be reassured. Well, if we honestly reassure them that they're locked in with God, well, what if they don't come back? Well, that's part of the deal. They're not going to come back for insecurity reasons. This move of God is they're coming back for love. They're coming back. It's like, it's, amen. 
It's like they're coming back for relationship. Like, why do you want family? We're created to have family. We're created to have relationship with God. The entire reason people come to church is shifting in this move of God, where it's not based on a consciousness of sin. It's based on a consciousness that he's our daddy. That's awesome. How many are just drunk in the spirit right now? (laughs) I'm sitting here and I'm having flashbacks. I'm like, this is so much better than the stuff I used to smoke. (laughs) Come on, somebody. I'm sorry if that bothers you. I just, I'm sitting here and I'm like, (laughs) God is so good. You know, I'd like to unpack maybe the concept that I kind of heard you both talking about. I love studying revivals. And, and what I've noticed is, and I, I love moves of God, and I think we can learn from them. And like I love the Zuzu Street, I love the Welsh Revival, Evan Roberts and William Booth. And, and I think one of the most important things about them is that they did something. Um, but I, I, I hear quotes like uh, William Seymour in the Zuzu Street Revival. He said, the measure of the spirit of revival is measured exactly by the spirit of repentance. So you see that being modeled in churches where, you know, like certain church cultures, like the more repentance. And it's like, and you were touching on that. Uh, and I don't think I, I, I kind of believe that, but I would phrase it a lot differently. I think it's more about the orientation of our hearts. Um, but I, I, I'm interested to talk about maybe, you know, you have this understanding that, okay, if we pray and we repent or we ask God, then he's going to show up. And you have a lot of this and we're trying to emulate a past move of God or you have, it's like a formula. Like what, like what are the ingredients of revival? You know, so we always have to formulize it. Um, and, and so you see things where, you know, we're trying to create something. Um, but I do believe, now I do believe that, and so there's these two sides. You have like these old covenant mindsets where if we, if we fast and pray. Now, I don't know about you, but when I stopped fasting, I saw way more breakthrough. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. I used to fast and pray like, God, revival, and nothing would happen. Then I stopped fasting. I'm like, this sucks, man. And then God would just move. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, it's not my religious formula, you know? And we prayed for three years before we planted the church. And we thought we were praying for revival. But really, it was like God was posturing our hearts to receive what he wanted to pour out. And, and, and we became revival. You know, like William Booth said, I am a move of God. That offends a lot of people. But knowing who we are, we can make waves. Like we have authority in the earth. We can release heaven, rivers of living water flowing out of our being. Uh, You know, Smith Wigglesworth, if God is not moving, he said, I'll move him. That's pretty bold. He's talking to the creator. God's not moving, I'll move him. I like that. Because something in me says, you know what? I think that we're sitting here praying for rain. And really what we need to pray for is rivers to swell up out of, in, of the inside of us. And we still have this old covenant mindset. You know, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, seek my face and pray. Second Chronicles 7.14 revival. That's the old covenant. Completely old covenant mindset. So maybe we're trying to get revival when we just need to become revival. But here's the thing. I still believe that there are elements like city church unity. And when we become apostolic leaders, 
then we're not afraid to cross-pollinate and to glean and the walls come down. And there is an element of a local church when they become assembled, fitly framed together, together that there is a just an authority increase. So I believe in those things, but I think we've missed it when we overemphasize the past moves of God or, you know, all the formulas. If we just, all the ingredients of revival and if we pray just enough. And, and, and I'll, honestly, I love houses of prayer and stuff like that, but I think that sometimes that emphasis is an old covenant expression Instead of intimacy with the Lord and just being in his presence, we're trying to, it's almost like we're working our way to this mat. We want to see, and then all of a sudden God's going to sovereignly move. I do believe in sovereign moves of God, but I think he wants us to become a move of God more than he wants to sovereignly move. So anyways, that's my. Amen. What he said. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, there's a different grace for every move of God. And I'm convinced the grace for this coming move of God is not near as much as striving as it is receiving. It's here. It's available. You, you are revival. Come on, just do it. Which makes the whole thing a lot easier. You can do revival any minute. You know, like back at home, uh, my wife picks up this guy who is on the street, plays guitar, and just has his bucket out front and picks him up for church on Sunday. That's revival, you know. He has a certain smell about his body. He comes into the church, and it creates in everybody else a belief, we can do that. (laughs) So she asked him, you know, the first day she met him, well, how much money are you going to make in the next hour? And she said, oh, hoping to get five bucks. He says, well, if I give you 20 bucks, we come to church. Yeah, jump in. Took her to church. Well, there's revival. Now he's got his friends and things like that. I mean, revival is easy. It's here now. It's grace to do this thing if we just love. It's here. It's a whole lot easier than we thought this time. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, can I tell you just a testimony that happened today on the streets? So uh, some of the Love Says Go Academy graduates, we went out to Fremont Street. And right when we got there, we kind of huddled up and we started, just did a circle, just kind of like a pre-prayer before we went out. And this uh, black gentleman without a shirt just kind of like walks up over there and he's like, I want in on the action. And so he's like, come on in. So his name was Bobby and he goes, let me share a testimony. And, and so we gave him like the, the stage and he started just sharing how he tried killing himself several times and how God intervened. And every time that he was sharing, we could just smell alcohol in his breath, right? And he started singing, but it's like, who cares, man? We were just like, man, this, this is God's son, right? And, but we had to go, like, we had something to do, and we were going to go pray for people. And, and I was like, Bobby, we got to go. And he's like, oh. And I was like, but do you want to come with us? I was like, we're going to go pray for people, man. You want to you wanna join us? He's like, oh, yeah, I want to join you. So we brought Bobby along with us, and he's like, well, let me put my shirt on first. So he puts his shirt on, and we, we go out to Fremont Street, and wow, and, and we just started, like, loving on people and praying for people, and we bought this, uh, Bobby, like, this, this lady made a cross out of, like, a bamboo strip, and so we bought that, and I, I gave it to Bobby, and I said, Bobby, give this to somebody, okay, for us, and he says, I'll give it to somebody that deserves it, and I go, no give it to somebody that doesn't deserve it. And he goes, and the lights come on. He goes, I get it. I get it. He says, it's, it's the the sick that need the physician, right? And I go, yes, it's the sick that needs the physician. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And we hug Bobby and and he left. 
And so we went around, and, and God just blew up Fremont Street, man. Like, we saw people getting healed everywhere I turned around. Like, there was love happening. There was people that didn't even have clothes on, man, but God was loving them because, like Harold said, he sees through people's clothes. It doesn't matter if they have clothes or they don't have clothes, man. God loves them. And so there, just those love and action happening. And, and so we got back to uh, the, the time, and, and we go back to where we started at an hour later, just sharing the goodness of God and the testimonies. And Bobby was there, and he had a bunch of food. And he says, i got to tell you what happened. And I go, what happened? He goes, this gentleman over here, he said, he came up to me, and he was, like, almost passing out because of a food coma. And he says, he's like, can you help me? Can you help me? He said this to Bobby. It was another homeless guy. And, and, and Bobby's like, we need to get you some food, man. And, and the guy's like, I, I think I'm going to, like, have a food coma because I need, like, my, my blood sugar and stuff. And so Bobby says there's this the store on Fremont that we can, I, let's go ask him if we can get some food. So Bobby takes this other homeless guy and starts walking to try to get him food. And they walk by a bus stop and they look and somebody had dropped off bags of groceries in this bus stop. There's nobody there, but God had already sent somebody to go to a grocery store and drop off groceries at this bus stop because they knew Bobby and this other guy was going to need food. And so Bobby's like, we ate all that we could, but we wanted to save some for other people. So we didn't take it all, but we took enough and, and they brought it back. And then there's this other gentleman here. And so one of our guys just started sharing the love of God with this other gentleman. And this other gentleman says, I was going to end my life. He's like, I just wanted to give up on life. And, and one of our students just started telling him that who he was, man. Not what he was doing on the outside, but who God created him to be on the inside. And just started sharing the love of God. And tears were just dripping out of this guy's eyes. And, and then he's like, this student, he's like, they want to give their lives back to Jesus, man. And they've got freak, they gave their lives back to Jesus today. Come on, man. So that was revival happening. It says we love because he first loved us. And Bobby had love in him because he first got love. So he had love to give to another. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> and what Zach, you were saying about I used to fast and pray and do and do and do. You know, you know, I've lived that too. But then Isaiah 58 says, this is the fast I choose to divide your bread with the hungry, to stop the pointing of the finger and accusing others. The real fast. And what does he say? Then your light will break out like dawn. Then the hungry will come to you. What is it? You know, yeah, there's a time to fast is for same fruit, but the kind God most likes is when we Share our food with the hungry, like you did today, and then you stop pointing the finger at other people. You stop accusing other people. You stop condemning other people. You know when a revival happens? When we stop accusing everybody and saying they're all ugly. <laughs> I just, I'm getting like waves of like the love of God up here. It's so powerful. I, I, I remember sometimes you forget why you start something. Sometimes you forget why you started your journey. And um, I just remember just um, being able to look out at the broken and saying, they have a father who loves them and nobody's telling them. They have adoption papers signed and nobody's giving it to them. And, um, and we have it. Like we have the substance. We have the food for the hungry, the water for the thirsty the clothes for the naked. We have it because we have Jesus. So good. I wanted to ask a question because you said something, Harold, that 
just sparked something inside of me. And I love controversy. Controversy. I love it. Um, I love to rock the boat. So it's just me. It's who I am. You said that the past move of God in the Reformation, there were three things the church embraced that needed to be um, done away with. What What do you see are some of the key things that the church today needs to embrace of what God is like. What, what's he doing? What's he saying? What do we need to receive? What's, what's part of that wineskin that needs to go away? And I, I think we'd all be able to add to things like this. You know, like, to me, first of all, we have to change from pessimism to have faith. We're victorious God. He's on our side. That's both for us as a people and individually. No, I can rise in victory. I'm created by God. We have an awareness of sonship. We have to awareness that he's a father. You know, these are just fundamental thought patterns that have to shift. The whole sin consciousness has to, it's, it's true that we're sinners, but it has to be replaced with, no, we're sons and daughters of God. We are walking in his authority and his power. Those are huge things, you know. And, then, and seeing our ministries beyond the walls of the building is a huge thing. Um, God's shifting that. God's changing our concept of money. Um, he's changing our concept of how to live the victorious Christian life. It's lived by letting him love you. That's what changes your inside. So I see those are major things that when you start talking about them, a lot of people's minds start tweaking. This is not the way I was raised. But it's worth the risk. It's worth investigating. It's worth deeper thought about these things because it's where the body of Christ is going. It's worth it to do it. So you got more. Oh, my gosh. How many are enjoying this tonight? So good. I, you know, I remember when we opened our hearts to broken people, God moved. And it was just a, it was a simple understanding. I remember preaching on grace, and I'm like, grace, the love of God. And then there's a pimp and a prostitute at the altar weeping. And I said, now i got to really believe in grace. And God was moving. But I, I'm just thinking about what you guys both touched on it. I wonder if if we just came to a place, you know, Jesus, he sends out the disciples, John 20, he breathes on them. Then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain them, they're retained. It's such an interesting verse because it's kind of like retained, like almost like some people even historically believe that, uh, you know, the church, they used to believe that it was like the, the priests or uh, the church leader had authority to forgive sins or not forgive sins. But I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. I think, I like the way Eugene Peterson says it. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain them, what good are they to you? So what if we just walked in a place of radical forgiveness and did not see people in all of their stuff? Didn't judge them. Like, God loves them. They're, now, I, I'm... I'm preaching probably tomorrow night, but I, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to talk about this tomorrow. I believe God sees humanity in two different ways. They're either his kids or they're the lost sons. It's not like, you know, they're sons of the devil. And, and like we read these scriptures, Jesus talks about, you know, talking to the Pharisees. And we take it out of context, but I believe God looks at humanity. They're either his kids or they're the lost sons and daughters that need to come home. So what if we started looking at people and we didn't retain? We, 
That, I think there's, a, there's power in that apostolic sending. Jesus says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then immediately he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain them, they're retained. I believe that's that, that mercy seat, like the glory. That's a place of revival where we just love. That's the ingredient for revival, love. Amen. If we just love recklessly. Because it's easy to see people healed when you love them. It's easy to see people raised from the dead when you love them and say, no, 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 this is not God's will. Come on. I remember my sister-in-law stopped breathing 40 minutes. They're working on her. I had just gotten home from work. I didn't feel like praying. I was tired. But something awakened me and I said, no, there's no way. She's not dying. Paramedics gave up. My mother-in-law is... I mean, you all know my mother-in-law, Lori. She calls us on speaker and the gift of faith came on me because of the love of God that I have for my, my little sister-in-law. And the second we said, God breathed life, after 40 minutes of no breath, she comes alive. I mean, come on. What if we just love recklessly... I feel like I'm preaching what I'm going to preach on tomorrow. I need to shut up. But the ingredient, what just people that I hate sin management sermons. They don't work. I honestly get sick to my stomach when I see somebody post, well, I'll listen to this great message. And the whole time the guy's just reaming people how, how nasty they are. It doesn't work. It does not work. Everyone knows their junk. Everybody knows their stuff. What they need is God to love the crap out of them. It just comes out, man. He takes the trash out. He does it. But if we just loved, if we just loved, if we just love people right where they're at, they're going to become who they're supposed to be. That is the ingredient for revival. That's what I believe. And I'm sticking to it right there. Okay. Actually, Harold came and he spoke at, at Bethel to some of the traveling itinerant ministers a little while ago. And so he mentioned something that also another really close friend of mine, his name's Jim Rogers, and he's a traveling uh, speaker out of Denver, Colorado. And Jim Rogers, about two years ago, was in a service in Nigeria, and the glory cloud showed up. But actually, people that were had amputees and, and were missing limbs in a service, uh, they got to witness God actually grow out like complete limbs and he witnessed this and um and so people that i really highly respect like harold and and zach and stuff i i I get around them i'm like tell me the secret not that there's a secret but like if you're hungry like you want to know tell me more like I, i need more breakthrough and i was asking uh jim rogers i was like tell me like the keys for like breakthrough for you like what is it like is it faith is it what is it And he told me when he prays for people, and and he's seen, I think, four people raised from the dead. He says, I don't put faith in my faith. Meaning, like, sometimes when we're praying for the sick, have you guys ever just tried to, like, wrestle? Like, I just need to believe, and I need to get doubt out of my head, and I just need to believe more. And he says, what I do is he says, I put my faith in the love of God. He says, when I lay my hands on the sick, I... I stir my faith up that God loves this person more than I do. He says, I put my faith in the love of God for this person, not in this wrestling between doubt and unbelief in my head, because I know God loves them. And I put my faith in God's love. Harold, when he came and spoke, he was saying, when I go to prepare to 
preached like in Pakistan. If you were here, there's like 700,000 people in this crusade. And he's like, when I prepare for a trip, I'm not preparing to have more power. He's like, I'm not praying like, God, move the heavens and and move in power. He's like, like, I'm praying, God, give me your heart for those people. Because he says, if I can connect with his love and his heart for that people group, the power will flow through his love. Amen. And so that's, it is all about love. I think what if we just stopped praying for revival and just started to pray for the compassion of, of God for people? It, the, Jesus said he was moved with compassion over the multitudes. What if we just stopped all of our cry for revival, we pray for revival, our contending for revival, and we just said, I want your heart for that one broken person on the side. I want to stop for one. You know, um, Heidi Baker is one of my um, heroes in the faith. But you know what she always says? I'll never stop stopping for the one. Because it's always just about that. It's just about one. It's just about every single life. About this man with no shirt, with alcohol in his breath, that was reminded of why he didn't take his life. Just one, just one person. My heart has been forever changed by the love of the Father. My life has been forever impacted by just knowing how much he loves me. And, um, and so I think that we're okay to end there. It's good? Father, I just, um, yeah, go ahead. Let's just. Thank these awesome, awesome men. And um, I just want to just, I want to receive it. I want to receive that. I want to take it in. I want my heart to be moved again. I want the fiery love of God to burn inside of me. And all the times that just life dwindles out my fire, just life makes me look past the broken and my own busyness and my own agenda makes me not see the hurting. I want your love to burn again inside of me, Jesus. Let it be our cry tonight, God. Give us your heart. Give us your heart, Jesus. Can you just with your own words and however you have to posture yourself to receive it, just tell Jesus you want to be revival. You want to
your burning love for every person consume our heart. Consume our heart. We open our eyes. We look at the harvest. your people, world changers, you're changing the wineskin, we bless the people that, that don't like the message of love, because you love them too, Father, we just thank you for what you're doing, we thank you for this move of God, this stirring that's happening all over the world, people are awakening to your love awakening to who you are and to who they are. And we don't have to strive or contend, but we can just rest and move with you, flow with you, and make things happen and change things. And get your heart for humanity. So many hurting people. Lord, we thank you for what you're depositing in every person in this room right now. In the name of Jesus, we take it in. Just say, Lord, I open my heart. Just pour in. Just pour in your your love. In Jesus' name, I want to have our prayer teams come up in a a moment. Um, But what I'm thinking is we'll dismiss those that want to be dismissed. But if you want to come up and just kind of chill at the altar, sit or lay or kneel or stand and worship and And then we'll have our prayer team come uh, behind you and just kind of pray over your shoulder. And maybe some of, if any of the leaders here, if Harold or Jason or my wife, if they want to pray and prophesy or whatever, we'll just go for it and just do a little, how's that sound? Does that sound good? And if, if you're here and you say, you know what? I want to become a move of God. I want to become a move of God. Sometimes I think we're sitting there praying, 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 and God's outside knocking on the door of our paradigm saying, if you just... You just realize that you have it. You have my anointing. You have my spirit. You have my love. Just become a move of God. Just go do it. Don't criticize the lack. Become the more. Don't criticize the lack. Become the more. That's our calling to become the more. So Lord, we say yes to that call. So if that, if you want to come, I'm just going to open the altars. Just come right now. And, and let's just do it together and just say yes, God. And spend a little time with him and and then uh, as people come up here to worship prayer team uh, those that have been released to do that would you just come and just just pray over them and and, uh, back each other up and pray amen amen so as you're dismissed go ahead and come and just let's just burn let's burn for a little while bless you bless you thank you we'll see you tomorrow night